Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Jennifer Trafton writes novels for children. They're fun and whimsical, and they treat young readers with the respect they deserve. I love The Rise and Fall of Mount Majestic, and Henry and the Chalk Dragon, besides being a ton of fun, is an incredibly wise meditation on the relationship between creativity and courage. Besides writing for children, Jennifer Trafton also teaches writing classes for children. I asked her if she'd be willing to come on The Habit to talk about the importance of play and other issues related to the creative process. I love hearing you talk about uh, about writing. You know, we've we've been doing the Rabbit Room on the Road together, mm-hmm. and so I've heard your talk a couple of times. There's so much great stuff in there, and so I, I do want to touch on a few of those. I'll, without you, without asking to repeat everything that you that you do in, in these talks, I, I do want to cover a few of those, a few of the topics that you that you cover in those, especially the idea of of play mm-hmm. and how play relates to creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, the, the the whole process of of making stuff mm-hmm. you know which is we we talk about as a kind of work and it is a kind of work but it's but you're you're very in touch with how that's play as well so i want to mm-hmm. talk to you a little bit about that you you uh, have taught children creative writing a lot of children for a, a number of years mm-hmm. um and and so much of what you do with them is play mm-hmm. um so tell I mean, how does that? I, I know you also sometimes find yourself teaching adults writing. Occasionally, <laughs> I wouldn't call it teaching. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. But what would you call it? Cheerleading. Cheerleading, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, what does play yeah. have to do with that? With, yeah. with with adults too. What you just said about work and play reminds me of a quote by Madeline Alengel, mm-hmm. uh, and she says, "My work is real work." And real work is play, not drudgery. Mm. And she's referring to you know the act of writing. Yeah. And I've always loved that particular quote um, because that's not the way we normally think. That work and play are very different things, and and writing is, can be so difficult and and feel like drudgery sometimes. And um, and so I have just I feel like I've been rotating around this concept of play for a really long time Mm -hmm. and uh in in part because it's very hard for me to play and um and so a lot of that has to do with my own my own background and the kind of personality i am but i've become more and more aware as i've grown older how deeply important it is for me to to reclaim that ability Uh to play and how if I don't, the more that I don't, the more that I lose that, the less able I am to be creative and to be to to be the writer that I need to be. Mm-hmm. So so my um, my fascination with this idea of play has come in part from my struggles with it over the course of my life and the and the awareness of how very difficult it is for me. So how does that work itself out in terms of you know, the I, I I like the idea of infusing work with play. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that go from an abstract idea to something a little more, mm-hmm. you know, boots on the ground? Well, I'm it, when I think about um, creating, when I think about the creative process for me, 
what I imagine is the way that I played as a child, the way mm-hmm. that my imagination worked. Mm-hmm. And so I was an extremely imaginative child, and I would sit in the on the floor of my bedroom, and I would transform everything around me into something else. And so my bedroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, my my bed would become a mountain. My the the bathtub or the sink would become you know oceans and seas yeah. and lakes, and my desk was the witch's cave and you know and and i would use my dolls and my toys to act out adventures within that space of my imagination within my bedroom and within that space i was completely free and unselfconscious and there was nothing and i was a very shy child so i spent a lot of time in that solitary space of my imagination and within that space i could be anything i could imagine anything i could tell whatever stories that i wanted to tell there was Mm -hmm. no one else looking in and and critiquing or judging or getting in the way of that free exercise of my imagination and um and so when i started to write poems and stories down that's the place where those things were coming from. Mm-hmm. They were bubbling up out of that same part of me that would spend hours and hours and hours alone in the room coming up with adventures with my dolls. And uh, and that's when I've, I look back and that's when I have felt most free to create the kinds of things that, I, that naturally come out of me. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, um, that became harder and harder because suddenly I was... Uh, my my work or my creativity became something I was doing for the world, something I was doing in front of the world. Mm-hmm. And that shut things down for me very quickly. At what age are you talking about? Um, as I became a teenager. Yeah. And I started to consciously write things that would be written, read by other people and consciously draw things that would be seen by other people and started to... Um, to submit to magazines or contests, you know, suddenly my, the, the stuff inside of my imagination that had just been for me for so long was now dancing out there in front of the world. And that was an extremely vulnerable thing for me and scary. And, um, and I, 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 these, this, the story or the poem that delighted me in private was now being judged by other people Mm -hmm. and, and often, um, judged as not good enough. Why did teenage Jennifer start submitting these things to magazines and contests? There were programs that I wanted to be part of sometimes. Yeah. So there were summer programs um, in the arts. And as uh-huh. I as I got older and I really, really loved art, I loved visual art and I loved stories and I love you know poetry, as I, I began to really want to spend more time with these things, I wanted to get into these programs and I wanted to learn yeah. more and I wanted, you know, and so I would, I would, you know, I would do that. I also, my dad um, it, it saw this in me and really encouraged me to start um, submitting, even when I didn't feel like I was good enough mm. yet. And so he was really encouraging me saying, look, you know, you, this is, you, you have a talent here. You need to send this to a publisher. And I had... I had teachers who were also saying, yeah, you yeah. know, like, send this in here. And um, and so even though I, at that point, didn't feel good enough to mm-hmm. be out there in the world, I had people who were encouraging that, and I had things that I wanted to be part of. Yeah. And, um, and I just got a lot of closed doors, mm-hmm. um, contrasted to my academic work, which was all kinds of successful. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I was really good at school and I was really good at performing to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And I needed that affirmation that I would, could get from, you know, getting an A and getting, you know, 
getting into this college or getting this sort of affirmation. The more I got that affirmation from my academic work, which had a very clear result, the, mm -hmm. the more I followed that path. Yeah. And this creative stuff that had given me such much delight wasn't getting the immediate results and affirmation mm -hmm. out there in the world. I started to get more and more discouraged and feel like, well, that, that's something I love, but that's over here. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas this, you know, what I, the real work of my life needs to be this thing. Mm -hmm. And so that, I, I think that that started, especially in my 20s, this, um, these sort of two competing parts of me, the part of me that was the serious, successful student and mm -hmm. heading in that direction towards being a, you know, a, a teacher and a professor. And the part of me that just loved to play in my imagination and um, that desperately, that part of me desperately needed attention, um, but I kept pushing it aside. Yeah. Obviously, the, the people who are encouraging you to, mm -hmm. to put your stuff out there had good intentions and, and, oh, and yeah. wanted the best for you. Uh, if you had a, a, a teenage daughter, would you encourage That's her a good, to I do mean, that? Y yes, and um, but also, uh, uh, you know, when I when I talk to, um, I think it's, it's a little bit different because these days there's you can be self published. You can mm -hmm. there's a lot more avenues for putting yourself out there in the world into the world through your writing than there was you know when I was a sure. teenager. And sometimes that does worry me mm -hmm. uh, when I have teenage writing students who are really really eager to go out there and be published really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I I say you know it, it, I'm glad that I did I mm -hmm. learned from that how to submit I learned from that how to um, I learned how to to begin to see the gap that I needed mm -hmm. to you know to overcome and how I needed to grow and so I'm glad that I did those things yeah. um, but also I'm I'm glad that I that a, lots of time went by before I was actually published yeah. and I I would worry. Um, I, w I worry now that um, that kids are, are trying to get published too quickly. Mm -hmm. And so then they don't have that space that I had to kind of explore and play for yeah. a long time before it became something I was doing to perform before the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, one thing that, that, that I've been thinking about lately, just because I've, I've been going through um, the Stephen Pressfield more of art book with yeah. a with a group um, is something that he talks about, and he's not the only one who talks about it. But the idea of, of a hierarchical orientation versus a territorial orientation, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not crazy about his use of the word territorial because even the way he uses it, it's still this is my turf, I want to protect it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I like to think more in terms of I have a, a little a little plot of ground that's mine to tend and cultivate and, and nurture. Um, and it seems to me your your little room where you're playing with your dolls and your witch's cave and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff that was your that was your plot of ground mm -hmm. to to yeah. cultivate, and in these the the people in your teachers, for instance, who who recognize a talent in you, it's it's hard to think in in terms other than a hierarchical, you know, they're saying, hey, I see this talent in you. Let's get you. Let's let's you know, get you on the on the track, you know, there, where you can advance in this in this way of doing. There was, there was nothing wrong. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that I had people in my life that yeah. recognized something in me and encouraged me because I would have never tried. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you know, I naturally thought oh, I'm not good enough. Yeah, and I would, I, you know, I would have 
stayed in that little room forever yeah. if there weren't people yeah, right. saying like you know you need to put this out into the world you need this is you know this is worth mm-hmm. being seen by other people yeah um so i'm very thankful for th- those people yeah. who who said you know like take this it's time to come out of your little room and out yeah. into the world yeah. because i was the kind of personality that would have always would have stayed there you know yeah. it, it was a long time in my life before i would show people my artwork mm-hmm. or that i would ever um, put any artwork out into the world at mm-hmm. all. Um, people who knew me in college didn't, you know, friends didn't know that yeah, I yeah. drew really? until they saw my stuff on Facebook, you know, a couple <laughs> years ago. So, wow. yeah. yeah. So that, like, I'm, an, I'm naturally the one who would have been That's hiding. Interesting. Yeah. And somebody needed to take me out yeah. of that room and encourage me. So, how do you get out in the world, the world of affirmation and Probably not so much affirmation and condemnation as affirmation and silence. <laughs> you know, how, how do you? What are your thoughts on how you do that and still maintain the the playful, hmm. you know, the imaginative? Um, that's a know, hard one. For, my, I mean, that's that's what I'm still mind. struggling with and still learning. Yeah. Um, because there was, you know, the last, you know few years um, I've had to recover the delight and the joy that I once had in the process of creativity that I lost during those years of worrying so much about what this was going to look like out in the world Mm -hmm. and so when I was writing my first book The Rise and Fall of Mount Majestic I was actually back in my little bedroom, you know, <laughs> the same bedroom? literally yeah. almost, almost the same bedroom, um, <laughs> you know, taking, you know, six months of my life to just hole up in, in my room and write. And I could write out of that sense of delight wow. yeah. and freedom and exploration. And then as soon as that got published, then, you know, then everything changes. Then suddenly that dream of yours is out being judged by the world. Yeah. That, that, um, set me on a not as healthy path um, with my creativity because uh, suddenly then I was starting from a place of oh as I'm writing what is this what are people going to think about this yeah. and um, is this going to fit the marketing categories that I have to fit in order to get it published and, you yeah. know and all the wrong questions and all the wrong right. ideas mm-hmm. um, and all the the the, the the fears about how it was going to be received and whether it was going to measure up that squashed the initial joy of the process yeah. and the delight and the play that I had once been able to have. And recently I went back, I found um, a folder of my writing from my early 20s mm-hmm. when I was really in that naive, innocent, this is fun, I'm going to be a writer <laughs> stage. Um, not th- I wasn't thinking of it as a career at that point. Uh-huh. It was just, it was this thing that I actually didn't tell anybody about. Yeah. I was just writing and, you know, loving it. And I, I look back, and that's the, the the stuff I was writing from a craft perspective wasn't, you know, it was, had a long way to go. Uh-huh. But from the from the point of view of just sort of this free, crazy creativity, like there's, I, I was impressed that I could imagine like that back then, mm-hmm. and now. Uh, it's like fighting to get that back again, to get that freedom back again, yeah. to write these really silly, um, delightful things that wouldn't necessarily measure up um, from a publishing standpoint, but that were that were coming out of me. Yeah, 
in a way that when I sit down to write now, it's hard for me to recapture that. Yeah. If that makes sense. And and I, you know, going back and seeing that that th- those early efforts and seeing the playfulness of that, even if it wasn't something that the rest of the world might want to read, that was essential for me as a person to write those things. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I I think that I'm I've been struggling to get that back again, and to step back from the the world of the. the the need for affirmation and the need and the the need to fit into a publishing category and to be a, a writer, mm-hmm. you know, um, from a worldly in perspective. I've been needing to step back from those things and not let those um, define my identity mm-hmm. uh, in a way that shuts me down creatively. And how? So how do you do that? I mean, what steps have you been taking? I I mean I. I've been, and this is these are personal stuff. This is not sure. at all um, a prescription for anybody else. For me, it, it meant stepping back from the mainstream publishing industry uh-huh. to some extent. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I was first um, trying to get published, I was reading all the industry news and the yeah. you know the magazines and the and the blogs, and really, um, I was very in tune with what was going on in the children's book industry. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, uh-huh. except that for me, it turned into uh, me needing to to measure up to what I perceived that industry wanted, mm-hmm. rather than me starting from a place of this is what Jennifer's going to create because this is who Jennifer is. Yeah, and and so it turned into for me. Um, trying to write things that were going to please my agent where we're going to find you know we're going to please an editor and what we're going to um, to fit into a box instead of starting from a place of like this is what delights me right now and I'm just going to write this yeah so part of it for me has been having to step back not actually not read the blog so that you know mm-hmm. quitting Twitter yeah. um, uh, not even thinking in terms of maybe trying to get something published by a mainstream publisher anymore. Just just trying to step back from the world back to the place where I began, which is just, hey, I love write, I love stories, and I'm yeah. going to write what bubbles out of me yeah. and not care. Um, another uh, thing for me recently has been finding playmates. And this is something uh-huh. that is a new concept for me because I was always the little girl in her room by myself, yeah. never sharing my imagination with other people very rarely. And, um, and just realizing this past year that I envied Pete and other yeah. people that are the musicians and the songwriters right. that I see around me because they are they are able to collaborate and they're able to share their ideas and, and to be imagining with somebody else. Yeah. And I was really envious of this. Mm-hmm. And and I thought I need uh, I need somehow to um, to have somebody else in the the sandbox with me playing <laughs> uh, to find that delight again. And so I've been taking some steps towards that this year and, and co-writing with a friend and um, brainstorming with an artist and, and trying yeah. to, to find ways of stepping outside of my little isolated room mm-hmm. into a room where there are other people who can be delighting in that with me. And for me, at least, that's one way that I'm finding my way back to yeah. the delight that I used to feel. Yeah, you keep talking about delight. To me, that's that goes hand in hand with play. Uh-huh. Um, is the the idea of th- even if I'm writing something that is serious, there should be ideally a, a sense of delight in the process of creating. And and I I've been 
I mean, that's a very important concept to me, theologically as well as personally. That that, yeah. there, that, that there should be a delight in creativity. Yeah. And that's the the kind of creativity that I see modeled in our Creator. That uh-huh. there's clearly a delight in God in the act of creating, and there should be a delight in me in the mm-hmm. act of creating. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm not feeling that delight, not just on a particular day when writing is hard, but in general, if I've lost any sort of delight mm-hmm. in the the whole process, then something has gone wrong. Yeah. Then I've I've I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. I, you probably remember this illustration from uh, Walking on Water, Madeline Lingle's book. Um, do you remember when she, she's talking about her, I guess it's her grandson, maybe her son, that she, she was watching stacking blocks, uh-huh. and, and, the, and the blocks kept falling over, and uh-huh. he kept stacking them again, yeah. and he was frustrated, and yet he kept doing it, yeah. and, and the one thing he wasn't thinking about was himself. In that process, yeah. and and I, yeah. I think that's that's such an important that that image to me is so important because if you ask the kid, are you having fun? Are you delighting in this? I'm not yeah. sure what he would say. Yeah. Maybe, but he must because he keeps doing it. Yeah. And the the main thing is though he's absorbed in the work, or he's absorbed in this work, the play, thing, whatever yeah. this thing is. You know, for yeah. and for him there wouldn't be any important distinction between work and play, right? Because he, he feels like he you know building is work. Except it's also play, it, yeah. And yeah. but that self forgetfulness, I think, mm-hmm. is such an important, you know, Im- an important part of what you're you're yes. talking about when you, when you talk about play. Absolutely, and that, you talked about this at the the last homeschool convention, and and I loved um, hearing you emphasize this because I think you're exact exactly right that that as long as we are conscious of ourselves, we're not playing. And that a lot of our barriers to that creativity are coming from an, um, the fact that we're looking at ourselves doing it all the time. Yeah. And I've learned that, um, you know, I'm an affirmation addict, mm-hmm. and um, that need for affirmation and the fear of rejection are both coming from the same place, which yeah. is this this you know, inherently this this prideful self-obsession of like, I need, you know, to feel good about myself doing this. Yeah. And I tell, you know, sometimes I tell my friends who are trying to encourage me when I'm feeling discouraged, sometimes like, thank you, you know, I, I need encouragement, but sometimes that, um, too much of the affirmation is just as bad as too much rejection because mm-hmm. both of them are ultimately focused on me. Yeah. And what I need to do is forget, like, to not care about whether or not um, it's being received well, whether or not it's good enough. Yeah. Because that is focusing on myself rather than the, the work that I'm doing and yeah. just delighting in the work. The, the rejection and the affirmation can sometimes be two sides of the same coin. Sure. And yeah. both, both of them are getting in the way of that self-forgetfulness that's necessary to play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's that is a that is a hard thing. That kind of self forgetfulness is it's is really, really hard, hard to get to. Very very hard. Yeah. yeah, and and so much of the way that we teach people to write, mm-hmm. you know, in schools is, yeah. you know, well, it's it's the carrots and the sticks, and it's the mm-hmm. it's I I don't quite know how else you do it except that you know I I know at, at New College Franklin where I teach creative writing a few years ago I said I will teach this but I'm not it's going to have to be pass fail I, I can't I cannot give people A's and B's and C's yeah. on on this you know yeah um, and I don't know how much difference that has 
has, has made a big difference for me as the teacher, though. I yeah. will say that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and also, I think it's so much easier to receive criticism also when you somehow are, are when when you can get some separation between the work and the and the and yourself. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. how to talk about this because, in some ways, play is is about being absorbed in it. But I'm also saying you have to get some distance from it. I, I don't know. Well, I think that that it, there's different steps to that creative process, and uh-huh. there yeah, is a, a there is the you know you, the play comes first, and then you step back and you evaluate. Uh-huh. And you know, yeah, that's and a great point. So so like, you know, you you talk about the inner editor and then the need for that inner inner editor eventually. Yeah. Um, but if the inner editor is in the play box with the sandbox with you, <laughs> yeah, right. you're not playing at that point. Yeah, right. And so, like, so when I talk about play, I'm usually talking about that in, that that initial um, creative act of just of the first draft of of the delighting in the act itself of creating. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, there is the the necessity of of afterwards stepping back and saying, okay, now, yeah, um, I, there's a, a young adult author named Shannon Hale who uses the analogy of um, she said that the first draft is piling sand into the sandbox and making big piles, knowing that later she'll make a sandcastle out of it. And yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So it's first the playing. Yeah. And then later you'll take that and make a, a castle out of it. Uh-huh. That's the second step. Yeah. And But when the second step invades the first step, then yeah. uh, to me it shuts everything down. Right. Yeah. Right. A, a little while ago you, you, you said, you know, this is what's worked for me. It's not prescriptive. I, I wonder: Are there principles that we can talk about that not prescriptive, but but something that, that is more broadly applicable than? I mean, so often when I give writing advice, it's here's what's worked for me. Yeah. And when it comes to process, you know, it's like everybody's. Different. I I make this kind of outline. I'm not suggesting you make that kind of outline. You know, yeah. we have to do what works. But but are there some broadly applicable uh, applicable ideas that? That can free us from the self self absorption. Well, I don't. The first thing I think of is I'm not sure if it relates to the self absorption part part of that, but um, there's a book called Zen and the Art of Writing that I really like by Ray Bradbury, the, mm-hmm. the sci fi writer. And one of the things that I love about that book is that he has this childlike sense of playfulness about his whole approach to writing. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that his whole career has been a lot of fun for him. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to have that um, that angst about you know what happens to his work once it goes out there into the world. He's just having fun doing it. And he talks about how, um, how we all have that as a child and we have these passions and these loves as children and as we grow older um, those things tend to get criticized or mocked out of us mm. and the, what he did and I, what w- this is what works for me and again I don't know if this but at least I have he can he can back me up on this <laughs> what he did is go back to those childhood loves of his and say well these are the foundation of my personality here. Hmm. I need to build on this. This is the this is the source of my creativity and and this is where I can build a career. And so he went back to his love for Martians and monsters and wow. dinosaurs and and the things that people made fun of him for. Yeah. Um, there's a wonderful picture of him in his office just surrounded by toys and by, like <laughs> dinosaurs and you know masks and things. And so he went back and 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 rediscovered those childlike loves of his. Yeah. 
And that was the soil from which his career grew. Oh, that's neat. And now, is that going to work for everybody? I don't know. But for me, that's certainly the case. That I, when I'm really stuck, um, and when I'm getting too much into this, you know, self-conscious adult sort of frame of mind, going yeah. back to what did I love when I was a child? What were the books that I loved? What really, really turned on my imagination? Mm is the way back to me. No. Um, because those things, even though they're they're going to change as you get older, they're always part of your personality. Yeah. Like, did did you always kind of love alligators? Always did. Always, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, you know, that there's something about you that just like swamps and alligators have always been part of your DNA. Yeah. You know, and how that works itself out in the future is, you know, who knows? But, you know, for me, there are certain things that have always been part of that creative DNA for me. Yeah. And so going back and rereading the books that I loved as a child and remembering the things that excited me most as a child are, is my way of rediscovering um, the you know the roots that uh, you know that are, are, are what makes my creativity grow, grow now. Yeah. So I think that is pretty maybe not universal but something that I think most yeah. people might find helpful. Yeah, that's is like what is it that turned me that that really got me excited as a ten year old? <laughs> yeah, like that's a clue to who you are and, and yeah. maybe the source of some of your yeah, you know where your writing comes from. I, I wonder if the extent to which if, if that's less helpful for people who aren't writing for children or if it, I, don't I mean Ray Bradbury so, wasn't writing for children. No, so. he wasn't writing for children, and you know that that for some people it's you know that that fascination for alligators would have led to you know, them into biology or, or right. whatever it is yeah. or maybe science writing yeah. but there's something about that you know your personality is drawn to certain things for certain reasons yeah. and uh, you know and, and that's a clue I think mm-hmm. on this journey of like what you're called to be I don't yeah. think that you, like something just pops out of nowhere when you're yeah. 30 and that yeah. didn't have some sort of root right. you know earlier in your life you know I, I've my biography of St. Patrick mm-hmm. ended up being kind of a Fiji story. Huh. The it, it was about a yeah. guy who went out and and encountered these wild people yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. And I I mean Yeah. So it's not I thought of that as a Fiji story when I when I So they're both it. coming from something in you. Yeah. That's gone back, you know, yeah. early in your life. This mm-hmm. this fascination that comes out in all sorts of ways. Yeah. 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 So that's I, I always recommend that particular book to people, and I think that that's really helpful. That's been helpful for me. Um, I when I work when I do workshops with adults, uh, and we start with just you know venting about what are the things that are hard for us um, as adults in the creative process. What I do is I I bring in the activities that I do with the kids, mm-hmm. and um, and we we have. We have playtime, uh-huh. and I emphasize that like this is not the workshop where you're going to learn to write something good. <laughs> like that, <laughs> you go to Jonathan Rogers for that. He'll teach you actually how to write something. But um, let's just play and be be as like silly as we want to be uh, with words uh-huh. and put them together in new new ways and not try to write something good. And a lot of times I'll have them collaborate so it's clear that this is not your yeah. precious thing here yeah, that you're yeah. creating. And, and and getting back to that level of just kind of making a mess and being okay with the mess, mm-hmm. just like we did when we were kids, as the first step 
yeah. towards something that will later be, later could become something good, but isn't doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have forgotten how to do that step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they come in at you know at the I have to write something good level. Uh-huh. I need to oh I need to have this purpose and I need to to craft this thing. When the first step is often just like I wonder what two words will go together in a crazy way and <laughs> and rediscovering that early step of being just playful and silly. Yeah. Can break open something so sometimes out of those workshops we end up with a lot of silly things but then we'll end up with a poem or a line that's just incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have gotten to without the first silly step yeah um that somehow that breaks open the inhibitions enough to come up with something really unique and original Mm -hmm. that's that's beautiful and evocative yeah um, and so another book that I recommend to people that uh, I think does this really well is called Poem Crazy. Hmm, I don't know that. Poem one. Crazy, Freeing Your Life with Words by okay. Susan Wooldridge. Okay. And it is not a book about how to craft a good poem for publication. You know, uh-huh. that's not the whole, that's not the point. It's about this, like, playing with words for your own sake, uh-huh. you know, of growing as a person and, and growing in your ability to, to be imaginative. And she um, she has some really great exercises in there and activities that I've ended up using and adapting for my own hmm. writing classes for kids and adults and have done on my own as well. So Ray Bradbury's book and Poem Crazy are actually have been my two favorite writing books so far that I've encountered. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I'm going to uh, put those in the show notes. There's a lot of other great books out there that other people recommend, but those two are kind of yeah. unique and I really like those. Yeah. So, great. Yeah. All right. Last question. Okay. Which writers make you want to write? Kate DiCamillo. Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of living writers right now, she's my absolute favorite. Um, I think that because of Winn-Dixie is a perfect children's book. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, you know, I, um, just about everything she writes. And she has this... Um, this amazing ability to, in the, the simplest way, to make you laugh and cry. Yeah. And uh, I just, like, every time I, I read her writing, I want to go and do something even the slightest bit similar to that. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, Kate DiCamillo is at the top of that list. The ones that, the, the writers that have really shaped me that I go back to to, remi- to remind myself of why I'm writing and mm-hmm. what I'm writing are um, C.S. Lewis, the Narnia books. Um, George MacDonald has had as much, if not more, of an impact on me than Lewis or any other writer. Mm-hmm. Um, G.K. Chesterton, yeah. uh, Dorothy Sayer, you know, the, 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 the whole Inklings crowd. Yeah. Um, Lewis Carroll. Really? I, I love Lewis Carroll, and I love Shel Silverstein. Uh-huh. And when I talk about going back to my earliest loves, and that that's what my imagination looked like mm-hmm. as a kid, was... Um, Lewis Carroll and Jealous wow. Silverstein, yeah. <laughs> and The Wizard of Oz, like th- those were, you know, that that's that's what was going on inside of my head. Yeah. And so going back to those, um, the the playfulness with language and the place playfulness with ideas, and yet the ability to come to come at something in life at a deeper level, even through that playfulness, mm-hmm. is what keeps me coming back to them and yeah. what I keep wanting to do. Yeah. yeah. Great. Did you know that Shel Silverstein had a country music writing career? I think I did hear that. He wrote The Boy Named Sue. Yeah. Johnny Cash, like that crazy. Yeah. I wanted to be Shel Silverstein 
that I wanted to be a poet exactly like him when I grew up. When I was and you could have done all the drawings too. I probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not quite as disturbing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't find your drawings disturbing. I no. find them beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. This has been thank a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Some great wisdom. Thanks again. Thank you. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio and the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to the Arcadian Wild for allowing us to use their delightful song, Finch in the Pantry, as part of this podcast. Check out their album of the same name for more excellent music. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to fostering Christ-centered community and spiritual formation through music, story, and art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.